Hey guys, what's up? This is Sean from nursedose.org. Uh, today uh, we're doing a podcast. I'm with my coworker Carlo. What's up, y'all? So uh, Carlo and I work together. Uh, Carlo, why don't you uh, tell us about yourself? All right. So first off, I just want to say thanks, Matt, for letting me be a part of this. Sure. All right. This is what the second podcast. Second. Second podcast. So I'm one of the I'm the day one of the day twos. <laughs> So a little bit about me, me and Sean's journey, uh, it's pretty similar. Uh, we both, because you had a, a bachelor's prior to nursing, right? Right. Okay, mm-hmm. so yeah, same, that was kind of similar to me. I started off my, I guess you could call career. Uh, I originally went to undergrad for dental school, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I took my DAT. I don't even remember what score I got, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't even applied to dental school, and then I didn't want to take a year off. Right. So I went on Google. I looked up some places, and Utesca, uh, it's a school here in Central Texas, uh, offered an accelerated program. So what that entails is you go to school for, what is it like? I think it's like 17, 15 months, mm-hmm. uh, and the only... Yeah. The only requirement, other than a prerequisites, is you had a, a degree before that. Right. So I went to that, finished that, and um, decided to stay here in Central Texas and worked at a private hospital in the medical ICU. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And how long did you work in the medical ICU? I did that for about a year and a half. Okay. Uh, we saw... It's, the, the ICU we're at right now is the surgical ICU, so we see more, obviously, post-surgical patients. The medical ICU is a lot more chronic right. uh, chronic patients, so we saw a lot of, like, CHF exacerbations. We saw a lot of uh, acute kidney failure. It's those type of things, and mm-hmm. so that was a good experience. But then I said, you know what, I want to switch it up, go to surgical ICU. So then mm-hmm. I've been in the surgical ICU for about two and a half years and that's where I met Sean right so um so this is a great segue into today's topic so did you you went into the ICU as a new grad right I did yeah so listening to your first podcast kind of similar as well there was a residency program Mm -hmm. um in this particular hospital I was in and right off the bat if you're interested in Going into the ICU as a new grad, I think that a lot of it's just based on your personality. Right. Because at, at whenever they're you know interviewing you, unless you were like a savant mm-hmm. in nursing school and you just absolutely knew everything, um, they they know you don't know a lot of stuff. Right. I think when you come out of nursing school, they know. You know enough not to kill someone, <laughs> all right. So what it comes down to it is, it's like, are you are you coachable, right? You know, so right. Uh, if you're interested in going to the ICU as a new grad, um, you you got to find a way to just show that you're coachable, that you have a fun personality, mm-hmm. and um, and the best way to do that is honestly get hired as a tech, right? So the new grads we have in our ICU right now. A lot of them, or majority of them, worked as a tech. Were you a tech? 
I was not a tech. No. Yeah. I, I was a tech yeah. before I got into the ICU. And while it didn't do a whole lot for my knowledge for um, for nursing, it helped a whole lot with my time management mm-hmm. and uh, actually just being around patients. Because I think a lot of people uh, in nursing school, they only um, get their experience with patients. Yeah. Uh, with clinicals and I feel like clinicals are a lot different than the real world definitely yeah Um, and if anything you learn how to communicate with patients better like when you Mm -hmm. just come off nursing school like you just have a very like what maybe 50 hours of actual like right if you could call it patient care you're mostly just standing behind yeah you're that person you're shadowing yeah but whenever you're a tech you kind of get a feel of you know what what's involved and in, right with all that and when i was in nursing school i actually had never like we had one class on vasopressor medications uh so whenever i came to the icu as a new grad i had no experience with those kinds of medications and those like you know are mm-hmm. very important in the icu yeah so uh being uh, as far as you are now with your career and looking back and seeing the new grads that we have now, do you still think it's a good idea to come into the ICU as a new grad? You know, it all depends on the ICU. I think mm-hmm. that if our particular ICU, it's a little, I feel like too fast paced sometimes for mm-hmm. a new grad, especially like post-op day, like when you land a an open heart, when you land one of those transplants, it, it gets a little overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So um, I think our ICU is, we have a very good culture with our ICU. Right. So, Like we, in terms of teamwork? Exactly. So our ICU, I think um, sometimes there's a float. Mm-hmm. Our, our charge nurse for sure doesn't have a patient most mm-hmm. of the time. Yeah. So if you're a new grad, um, you know, go look, look at the ICU you're interested in mm-hmm. and then go over there shadow them you'd be like hey you know like this team seems pretty good right. um you know give it a shot right. you know give it a shot but i i think you should expose yourself to an icu before you even because okay mm-hmm. i i didn't even do a uh, a rotation in the icu whenever i was in oh, wow. Utah. i know so i was like i was just I was like, you know what? Because uh, at the time, I wanted to potentially do CRNA school. Yeah. I was like, hey, that's you know, I, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So let me just jump into an ICU. And I was my second day in orientation. There was a code already. I'm like, dude, am I like up for this shit? <laughs> it was, it was, it was scary. But my preceptor was really like, he. I think he saw the fear in my eyes. Yeah. So he was like, shout out to Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was like, dude, this is you know, like this isn't going to be an everyday thing. But that type yeah. of, but you know, you. Uh, it was good for me to be exposed to right. that. You uh, know, getting back, our ICU that we work in now is kind of like paradise when it comes to yeah. staffing ratios and stuff like that. Um, neither one of us has ever really ever been tripled, yeah. and that's it's like it's a policy in our hospital now that um, ICUs do not get tripled. Even in our trauma ICU, they will yeah. single patients with someone someone who has above a certain BMI. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'll even single people with um, a couple of vasopressor medications. Um, but when I started in the ICU, 
it was definitely not in an ICU like that. My ICU that I started in, we would triple all the time. Um, I remember being on orientation and kind of close to the end of it, and they just decided to give me uh, the two patients by myself so that my preceptor could actually um, take an open heart that we were landing. So um, you really kind of have to shop around. Yeah and uh, make sure that it's the best for you. Now, I think I turned out okay, but it was certainly very stressful. Yeah, for sure. And um, again, let's come, go back to, if you could get a job as a tech in that particular ICU, mm-hmm. that'd probably be the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you're not lucky enough to become a tech in the ICU, um, whatever school you go to, I guess really fight for that ICU you wanna do your last rotation in. Right. And you know, if you're lucky enough to get a rotation in the ICU, we in our school it was called immersion. I don't know mm-hmm. what other schools call call it. Yeah. And um, so you're there for like four weeks, four to six weeks, I think. Mm-hmm. Make sure they remember your name after yeah. you leave. There's some students who rotate through our ICU, and I I can't for the life of me remember their names. <laughs> but the ones we did hire, you yeah. know, it was they made a they made an imprint. Right. You know, and it the imprint isn't necessarily like damn you know that person's super smart it was like do you know what that you know that's someone we could work with yeah they fit yeah yeah that's true um and something else that i would say whenever i interviewed for my first job uh i was a tech at a different hospital but we would get these uh cards that patients or other nurses would fill out um and i actually kept them all we could turn them in for movie tickets or whatever but i kept them all in my uh portfolio i guess and um, I actually showed that. And it was actually really nice because um, the residency program that I got into, like I talked about in the last podcast, is very competitive. Uh, there are five people interviewing for the same ICU job. Um, and that's out of the 200 that actually applied. So um, little things that you can do like that really help as a new grad. Um, and I can tell you they probably won't look at your grades so much yeah um so don't put too much worry about that it's all about the interview and it's about being personable and being able to show that you know your stuff um, and that you're willing to learn so being a new grad in the icu you're really gonna have to um, do your homework like you're out of school now but you're gonna have to actually read um i would do that every week i would read and that's how i got my ccr in so early and eventually how I got my CSC as well. And I know Carlo has his CCR in as yeah. well. And if I could go back in time, actually, because I only really started thinking about taking the CCRN after the medical ICU. Mm-hmm. And for those that don't know this, the CCRN is the uh, critical care certification through the mm-hmm. AACN or the American Association of Critical Care Nurses. Um, so just to put that out there. Yeah, and... So when I was in the medical ICU, I didn't even, I guess I was so worked up on trying to like learn everything. I kind of forgot where the most of the learning is, is outside of work, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So like Sean, just to reiterate what Sean was saying, like, it's very important that when you're outside of work that you, because when you're at work, you're just too stressed out to really take the information in. Um, So when you go outside of work, that's where you really laid a foundation for your knowledge. Right. Like, I think I only really started, um, lost my train of thought. 
<laughs> just, yeah, but so yes, take so right off the you don't have to be in ICU for one year to start studying for CCRM. Once you're you're hired, once you're in orientation, um, dude, open that book, open that yeah. book, and then mm-hmm. things you don't understand, you ask your preceptor. Be like, hey, right. you know, I don't understand, uh, you know, ABGs. You know, how right. do I interpret ABGs? How mm-hmm. do I? What type of vent settings? Um, and import like, and then with the vasopressors, you know, know what type of receptors they they affect. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. And um, so, also going back to you when you work in an ICU as a new grad, uh, not only is you knowing your information um, important, but you also need to know how to take criticism well. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of new grads that will assume that they know a lot of things, and it's really hard as a new grad to know those things. Um, you know, you've never, I mean, you might have intubated somebody before, but um, knowing the technique and being around people that have actually done it for years mm-hmm. um, is important, and you really don't want to have a cocky attitude coming out of nursing school because it looks really bad. Yeah. Um, asking questions is really good. Uh, some people might think that I get annoyed when people ask me a lot of questions, but I really don't. Um, it's it actually makes me feel better that they're asking the questions instead of mm-hmm. sitting back at their desk and uh, trying to figure it out yeah. for themselves because that's how patients get hurt. Yeah. Um, when questions aren't asked, and that's a big red flag to me if I'm precepting somebody and. Um, they feel like I feel like they think that they know everything. It's kind of a big red flag to me, and it's something that I'll talk to the educator about. Um, it's something that needs to be addressed immediately. Yeah, like um, that's you know I think Sean hit the point there with you got to be able to take criticism. Um, like if you come in knowing you know everything, that's just you know Sean said it was a red flag. It's a red flag for me. I think it's a red flag for a lot of people because it just you obviously don't know everything and you know i mean even to this day like me and sean while we're at work we uh we kind of spitball ideas to each other you know mm-hmm. and um and it, it just reinforces you know what you what you should know yeah. but what a pretty good setup in one of the icus you know university what they do is their new grads they have to go through the acute care setting first for mm-hmm. like six or eight months and then they train up for yeah for the ICU, which I think is a pretty good idea. Yeah. Uh, especially because by six months you should know kind of how the hospital works already as far as charting, who you need to call. Yeah. So that stuff, you know, you don't gotta worry about whenever you're so whenever you do orient to the ICU is just strictly learning ICU stuff versus like, damn, you know, how do I what do I need to chart? You know, yeah. how do I get a hold of radiology? How do I get a hold of this, this, and that? Like all that's right. eliminated, and you could just put all your energy to learning right. the ins and outs of the ICU. Right. And um, yeah, what was I going to say? Um, so I know a lot of new grads. Um, I don't know if, if this is the same for you, but I had a lot of anxiety talking to doctors coming yeah. coming right out of nursing school. Um, and something that I've realized is uh, you don't have to know um, your stuff to talk to the doctor. Like, you don't need all that knowledge. All you need is the ability to relay information correctly. Yeah. Um, that's what the doctor's for. So, but I will say 
and this is the last point that I want to make with new grads, is the difference between starting in a private facility versus, yeah. versus a public teaching hospital. So <clears throat> with, um, with a teaching hospital, you'll have, especially on nights, you'll have um, like interns or um, doctors that are just out of medical school. Um, and they're the ones who are writing your orders, who are taking care of your patients. So a lot of the time it really helps having a experienced nurse there to give recommendations and things like that. I'm not saying that I know more than a doctor, but I've been in these situations more than they have. <laughs> I've dealt with open heart patients. I typically know how we recover them and I can give suggestions like that versus a medical student who just came out of medical school um, versus a private where it's all you know established doctors yeah. uh, you usually don't have any residents with that right. yeah and whenever you start off because i think yeah everyone has that anxiety about talking to doctors you know they're gonna be they'll probably get pissed off at you for waking them up mm-hmm. but like never take it personally you know like yeah. just know like hey man i'm super annoyed when i get woken up in the middle mm-hmm. of the night but in the end of the day they know they're doing their job yeah and then you just need to know that you're doing your job and you know they're they, they are getting paid to sleep so do not mm-hmm. feel bad about waking them up because yeah. <laughs> sometimes they need to earn that money yeah um but yeah so i think the next topic that we wanted to uh speak on was how nurses are um, portrayed in tv shows in the media and kind of like what the reality is um so, Carla, what is, what is your opinion? What do you think? How are nurses portrayed, like, in shows and stuff? And so, I, I think um, my the most frustrating thing for me, um, and I guess it's, an, it's definitely an ego thing, mm-hmm. is whenever I tell someone, like, hey, you know, like, hey, I'm a nurse. And they're like, oh, so you just, like, you know, give meds all day. And I'm just like, there's so much more to that. Right. You know, and I think the the TV shows kind of try to portray that also. You know, there, mm-hmm. there's, I don't know what, is there even a TV show where the, the nurse is like the main, Yeah, no, I guess I Nurse Jackie, but I'm, that was a kind of a dark show. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, honestly, Nurse Jackie's probably as, uh, probably the most accurate yeah. when, when it comes to what nurses actually do. Because mm-hmm. uh, those nurse-doctor uh, relationships are actually pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, but like I can tell you, like in, Shows like uh, House or Grey's Anatomy, the nurses tend to be like um, pushovers, right? So mm-hmm. they don't really, um, it doesn't seem like they do much. Like, yes, whenever the patient starts crashing, they run in there and it looks like they're just fixing the bed sheets or yeah. something. <laughs> they're not really doing anything. But in reality, what happens is the nurses are usually the first ones there before the doctors even mm-hmm. get there. So um, if if your doctor is the one who's finding your patient unresponsive or whatever, then you have a problem. So um, we are usually the first responders. Uh, We usually are the ones. So both me and Carlo are ACLS uh, certified. So we can actually run a code by ourselves without a doctor. Uh, I don't think a lot of people know that. So we can order medications to be given um, and we can follow algorithms yeah. to allow a patient to be resuscitated. Um, 
And so with that, we, we had a we had a scenario once where we had a patient that went into SVT mm-hmm. and um, the patient actually lost a pulse. And so we brought in the crash card and actually yeah. uh, defibrillated the uh, the patient. Uh, you know, of course, we, we synced and everything. Everything was correct. And uh, we were able to bring that patient back to a stable heart rate that actually allowed him to have a blood pressure. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, the resident got a little upset about mm-hmm. that and wanted us to call him. Yeah. But we don't, you don't have time to, you know, make phone calls when your patient does not have a pulse. Yeah. So uh, what I'm trying to get with that is that there is um, a lot of things that nurses do that I guess the general public don't really see. And I guess it's more like ICU nurses. Um, floor nurses as well do the same thing, but it doesn't happen as much. Yeah. Um, they are certainly capable. A lot of them are ACLS certified as well. But um, in the ICU, we tend to have a lot of autonomy and a lot of um, input when it comes to what patient care should be. Especially in the private setting. Like, I don't know how it was for you mm-hmm. whenever you were in a private hospital, but... And not when I was in the medical ICU and um, the intensivist had to manage like three different hospitals. Mm-hmm. So there was times where it was just like it was just the nurses running a code. And, you know, if we did have any questions, we would just text the intensivist like, hey, dude, this is happening, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And they, they'll, you know, sh- you know, give us recommendations about what to do. But, right. you know, that that those codes are run by us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little different now in a community hospital because there's always a resident or an intern mm. in-house so they kind of you know jump in and kind of help us out right but uh yeah like it's i think it's important to you know for the public to know that you know we do a little bit more than what the shows right portray right and um yeah mm-hmm. yeah so it's it's a lot more than just giving medications um there's a lot of critical thinking involved. Um, you gotta you gotta know how to work around things, and you have to know your stuff. Uh, like for our floor, we do a lot of cardiac stuff, so we have to know our rhythms. We have to know what to do for different rhythms, what medications work for what, and what doesn't. Um, and because we we get a lot of people that that come through, a lot of interns that come through who are not looking to be um, you know, cardiologists or CT surgeons or transplant surgeons or anything like that. So we have to be able to tell them what's going on and give recommendations on what we think should be done. Yeah. So, um, there's that. Yeah. And, and, and not to speak ill of residents either. Like they, we, I mean, I understand where they're coming from, especially it's July. So there's a lot of new interns who just come out of medical school and like, I'm pretty sure they don't, not a lot of hand to hand, you know, not a lot of patient care goes on probably, probably a little bit more than nursing school, but you know, it's, it's just put that in the back of your mind whenever you, if you do work in a community hospital with residents and interns, Mm -hmm. understand that, dude, they're just as scared as you were when you first started off, Right. you know, and, and sometimes they just need a little bit of uh you just you just gotta give them some recommendations you know show them some love also right right. and uh if there are any 
residents or interns that are listening to, to this, uh, utilize your nurses. Your nurses are the ones who are at bedside 24-7. So, um, you know, don't, don't be afraid to ask them for their input. Um, it might be bad input, but, you know, that's your job to uh, discern what you should listen to and what you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of these nurses have a lot of experience with these specific patients, and they can really help you out. Um, but, yeah, you have anything else to add to that subject? What's, what TV shows you watch, Matt? <laughs> I, I, well, I don't have cable now, but, <laughs> you know, there's actually a TV show that is based on the hospital that we work at. Oh yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> but is it really? Yeah, is it? Uh, it's not real footage, right? Of like, no, okay, no, okay, no, that's no, what no, I was no. like. I was like, wait, no, it's it's basically like a mixture between uh, Grey's Anatomy and probably Scrubs, but um, that one that one actually does a pretty good job yeah. with um, with portraying nurses. Actually, um, they wear maroon scrubs for whatever reason, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what's the show called? It's called Night Shift. Hmm. Yeah, which I think our one of our next podcasts is going to be what it's like working night shift because both uh, Carlo and I work night yeah. shift. Um, it's the best shift to work. You get more money, you get more autonomy. Yeah, um, all that stuff. So just a just a little preview. But um, if you don't have anything else to add, Carlo, I think uh, I think we're good, dude. I think that's pretty much it. So. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Uh, we're going to try to do maybe weekly podcasts. Yeah. If you guys have any recommendations or you know – I mean, so our podcast, we're both nurses, but we're totally down to have you know, other professions. You know, If you know an RT or you know a physical therapist or a resident or intern and uh, they might be interested in kind of just coming in and just hanging out with us and just talking, talking to shit, mm-hmm. then uh, yeah, like – you know, let us know. And if you have any topics that you want to hear our opinions about, mm-hmm. you know, let us know also. Yeah. yeah. And so, guys, if you want to keep up with the podcast or the articles that are written on the website, go to www.nursedose.org. Um, I'm going to try to get this podcast on Spotify. So um, I will make a post about that when that happens. But be sure to subscribe to it so that you don't miss any episodes. Um Other than that, I think we're done. So thank you for listening. Uh, This is Sean and Carlo. What's up, y'all? Bye, (laughs) y'all. And we'll we'll talk to y'all soon. Okay, bye.